And we welcome you back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. We're coming off week six, and we're back after a week off last week. No podcast last week uh, because I was off preparing for the call of Saturday's NEC TV debut on ESPN Plus, the Bay State battle between Stonehill and Merrimack. So without a show last week, we got a lot to catch up on. First of all, welcome to October. This is the time of year where serious title contenders start to emerge, and each game's significance grows just a little bit more. Coming up on this week's show, we will recap this past weekend. We will share some behind-the-scenes news and notes from Saturday's Stonehill-Merrimack game and broadcast, including some stories that didn't make the air. We'll also highlight the top three stars of the week. We'll chat about some stats. We'll look ahead to what's coming up on tap this weekend, including a preview of our huge Thursday night football CBS Sports Network game between Wagner and St. Francis U. And of course, we'll welcome in our special guest from SFU, linebacker Carter Glassmeyer. But first, let's take it back through the week that was with our top headlines. It's time for our pick six. And we start with our ESPN Plus game of the week. The Bay State battled the 26th all-time meeting between the Stonehill Skyhawks and the Merrimack Warriors from Dwayne Stadium in North Andover, Massachusetts. It was the first ever game at Dwayne Stadium between these two teams as they played in the final game at Merrimack's old stadium back in September of 2017, which was won by Stonehill in convincing fashion. Then when they met the following year as conference rivals in the Northeast 10, that meeting was at Stonehill. Then they weren't conference rivals for a couple of years from 2019 to 2021. And then when Stonehill came to the NEC last year, their first meeting as NEC opponents, that was at Stonehill. So all this time has passed since Merrimack Stadium is open now in its seventh season. And they these two teams have never played there until now. Their first ever meeting at Dwayne Stadium was on Saturday, and it was a big fork in the road game for both these two teams and which direction their season would turn. Both came in at one and one in NEC play and only twice has a league champion finished the year with two losses in conference play. Usually two conference losses is a death sentence to title hopes. So this was a huge game to see who would kind of stay in the race. Donovan Wadley for Merrimack got things going on the opening kickoff. He didn't wait long to make an impact. A 52-yard return, setting up the Warriors in solid starting field position. And then Malachi Anthony, who was starting his first game since the spring of 2021, filling in for an injured Gavin McCusker. He led the team downfield and finished the drive with a three-yard touchdown run. And boy, I implore you. If you have not seen the replay of this touchdown run, you got to go out and see the replay of this touchdown run. There was a collision at the goal line that was ridiculous. Anthony just powered his way through the contact, through the defender pretty much, and into the end zone. It was like a Mack truck bursting his way through. Big touchdown on the opening drive coming off the great return by Wadley. Then Merrimack got a special special teams play with a punt block. They got a short field ball inside the 20. They kicked a field goal to go up 10, just not even two, two possessions into the game. Um, for the first 12 minutes, Stonehill ran six plays, and they only got a total of four yards, and they trailed 10 to nothing. But to start the second quarter, 
Stonehill started to get into rhythm, helped out, though, by some Merrimack penalties. Asher Karaha found Chris Domercat for a six-yard touchdown. The extra point was no good. That made it 10-6. to On the next Warriors possession, Anthony had a deep 42-yard completion to LJ Robinson. The deep pass threat has been something that was missing from Merrimack's passing game this year. Remember, last, last week, they beat Sacred Heart without even completing a single forward pass. This time they're completing passes for 42 yards. So that deep threat was there in this game that maybe hadn't been there the last couple of weeks. Donovan Wadley on a direct snap, then ran it in from four yards out. Merrimack led 17 to six at halftime. In the third quarter, Anthony went for the home run ball, throwing it up to Wadley, who beat his defender by about five yards. 34-yard touchdown pass to make it 24-6. to And then after a, a Stonehill special teams miscue where their punter went down to his knee to field a low snap, he was called down at his own four-yard line to turn it over on downs. And then Ty Edmonds Jr. just ran it in on the next play to put the Warriors up 34-6. to Now, we have to give Stonehill some love here. They didn't just roll over and concede the final 15 minutes. They definitely made it interesting. They scored 28 points in the fourth quarter, including an incredible 16-play, 67-yard drive that led to a touchdown. May have been their finest drive of the season. They didn't turn the football over all game. Karaha took a big step forward as the quarterback went 20 for 35, 204 yards, three touchdown passes, and they did all this while Stonehill was missing their top two rushers. Both Jermaine Corbett and Tom Camella were both out for this game. So Xavier Woodward, Woodward had to step in, and he rushed for over 100 yards and scored a touchdown. Stonehill, they scored 34 points, 28 in the fourth quarter, and they did that against the number one total and scoring defense in the league entering the week. Merrimack did win 45 to 34, but it certainly got interesting in that fourth quarter. It was the highest scoring game in the season for the Warriors, but even with the win, I imagine there's still going to be a lot to discuss and work on for Coach Curran and the Warriors during their upcoming bye week this week. Not the best finish for Merrimack, but a win is a win. A happy homecoming in North Andover. They get to two and one and they keep their title hopes alive. Wadley was amazing in this game. 171 all-purpose yards. He had a hat trick, three touchdowns. Ty Edmonds had 169 rush yards and two scores. And Anthony at the quarterback position, Merrimack might have something there. He had a rush and a pass touchdown, some big deep threat passes as well. Now, story two, let's go with the best of the rest. I was on the call of this game with Kevin Gilbride in North Andover on Saturday, so I could give you some personal observations as well as some stories that didn't make the broadcast. Now, first, despite the weather, there was a record crowd at Merrimack for this homecoming game. It was a fall Saturday in New England here in 2023, so of course it was raining. But despite the weather, the tailgate uh, game was strong. The fans were incredible. The band had a great performance in the tailgate lot on their way into the stadium about 15, 20 minutes before the broadcast. Then as Merrimack was coming out onto the field, they came out to bagpipers, which was an incredible touch. And by the way, Merrimack, their tailgate game was on point. The grills were fired up and ready to go. Malachi Anthony, we talked about him earlier. He only started one game that was back in the spring of 2021. It was against Bryant. He threw for 90 yards and a touchdown in a, in a one-score loss, but he got an opportunity here. A guy that's been a part of the program for a couple of years now, finally got an opportunity at the starting quarterback position again. And man, did he give a spark to this offense that was missing a consistent passing game. He was taking and making shots deep downfield. He was running 
when he needed to. It's going to be interesting to see coming out of this bye week if Anthony can stay as the quarterback one, whether or not McCusker is healthy or not. I mean, that's going to be really interesting. We know Coach Curran likes to run the ball. Uh, Coach Gilbride mentioned this on the broadcast. But now maybe he has a little bit of a passing threat, too, to work in there in the offensive game plan. So that's going to be interesting to see. Donovan Wadley, my first impressions of him, he's fast. <laughs> Agent Zero, Mr. All-Purpose, whatever you want to call him. Coach Curran told us that Wadley is a playmaker, and they have to find ways to get him the ball the week before against Sacred Heart. They, they had him running the football for over 100 yards and a score. Last week, it was a rusher with jet sweeps. This week, it was as a returner. It was taking direct snaps. It was taking handoffs. It was as a deep threat wide receiver showing off multi-facets of his game. Um, great weapon for this offense. And then finally, we asked Stonehill head coach Eli Garter about this rivalry, Merrimack and Stonehill, and if these teams are battling over recruits. And he, because if you look at these rosters, Stonehill has guys mostly from New Jersey and the New England area. Merrimack has guys from Merrimack from Maryland and the Washington, D.C. area. And Coach Gardner said, you know, there's been an increase in, a major increase over this last year of these two teams meeting head-to-head -head on the recruiting trail. Since Stonehill joined D1, now you're starting to see both these teams going after the same guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how this rivalry will kind of grow and maybe take effect uh, as uh, they start battling against each other in their own backyard for the same players over the next two to three years. Great to be there. We hope you enjoyed it. If you caught the broadcast, big win for Merrimack on homecoming over their arch rivals, interstate rivals, the Stonehill Skyhawks. Now story three elsewhere in NEC play LIU hosted their homecoming game against Sacred Heart. Both teams lost heartbreakers last week. LIU by a last second field goal to Duquesne and Sacred Heart by 10 to Merrimack, despite not allowing Merrimack to complete a forward pass. And you could tell LIU's game plan coming into this game right from the get-go. Get Owen Glasgow the football. The preseason all-NEC selection only had a combined 12 touches in rushing and receiving in the previous four games this year. He had, the, he had 11 touches rushing and receiving just in this one game on Saturday. Plus, he even threw a pass. So add in another touch on the passing game. Glasgow had a six-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. He threw a six-yard touchdown pass in the second quarter to put LIU up 14-0. And according to Glasgow, that was the first pass he's ever thrown in his life. Quite a time to pull that one out of the hat. Sacred Heart closed to within 14-10 at the half, but another Glasgow score and a Michael Coney 45-yard field goal put the Sharks back up by two scores. And LIU would go on to win their first game in conference and overall in 2023 by the score of 23 to 13 on Saturday in new Britain, the central Connecticut state blue devils ran all over the Delaware state Hornets football team in a thrilling 51 to 44 homecoming victory. Central Connecticut ran for a program record 497 yards, topping a 462 yard game against St. Francis back in 2006. Elijah Howard ran for 257 yards and a score. Malik Thomas ran for 113 and a score. Ricky Ortega, the quarterback, ran for 78 yards and three touchdowns, including the game-winning 13-yard score with about five minutes remaining. Howard's 257 are the most yards by an NEC running back since 2018. And as you probably could imagine with all that, Central Connecticut takes over as the number one rush offense in the NEC at 246 yards per game, while 
Howard moves up to second in the NEC individual leaders with 100 yards per game rushing average. And the final NEC game of the weekend saw the Duquesne Dukes falling to the Delaware Blue Hens 43-17. Duquesne scored on three of their first four drives. They had a 17-15 lead in the second quarter, but Delaware scored the final 28 points unanswered to pull away at the end. DJ Powell caught a 52-yard touchdown. He has an NEC leading four touchdown catches this year. And Edward Robinson had 86 rush yards for the game, 68 of them coming on a long run to win his second straight Rookie of the Week honor. So the NEC standings have Wagner atop the pack at 2-0 in league play. Duquesne coming off their conference win last week against LIU are also unbeaten in NEC play at 1-0. Merrimack with their win in the Bay State battle, they get over 500 in league play to 2-1. LIU and St. Francis both at 1-1, one one, Stonehill 1-2, and two, Sacred Heart 1-3, and three, and Central Connecticut. They lost their conference opener to Stonehill about a month ago. They haven't been even involved in conference play since. They're looking to build on their big day rushing last from last week as they get set to go back into conference play here going forward. It's all conference play the rest of the way for Central Connecticut. Six straight weeks of NEC action. The Blue Devils are 0-1. It's time for our top three stars of this past week, and we start with number three, Owen Glasgow. We said it earlier, Coach Ron Cooper and offensive coordinator Court Shankweiler were in the lab trying to figure out how to get this guy the football. Glasgow is on the stats performed FCS preseason All-America team. Lots of high preseason praise, but he just wasn't getting the touches on offense. And that changed on Saturday as Glasgow was involved in all three LIU touchdowns in their win over Sacred Heart. The Massapequa Park, New York native finished with seven carries for 26 yards and two touchdowns rushing, four catches for 16 yards receiving, and he threw a six-yard touchdown pass to Leak Bryant as the cherry on top of the Sunday. Our second star is Merrimack's Mr. All-Purpose, Do-Everything, Donovan Wadley. The Warriors put up a season-high 45 points in their Bay State battle win over Stonehill and in large part to Wadley's three touchdowns and 171 all-purpose yards. He got the game started with a 52-yard return on the opening kickoff, which led to Merrimack's opening drive touchdown. Then he scored on a four-yard direct snap run in the second quarter, a 34-yard reception in the third, and a 44-yard touchdown run in the fourth. And of course, our number one star of the week, it's Central Connecticut State running back Elijah Howard. The sophomore running back from Knoxville, Tennessee, ran for 257 yards on 23 carries, including a big 80-yard touchdown burst which gave Central Connecticut the lead in the fourth quarter in their victory over Delaware State. It's Howard's second 100-yard rushing game of the season, and he moved up to second in the league in yards per game rushing average. Now, if you watch this guy run, most of the yards come after first touch or after contact or after a little hesitation at the line of scrimmage. He's patient, he stays balanced, and then he accelerates. He's like that roller coaster that can go from zero to 80 in like two seconds. He can take off when he finds a hole. Howard had the biggest rushing day by an NEC running back since 2018, and he's our top star of week six. And up next here on NEC Football on the Run, it is time for our weekly chat, and we're joined by a former NEC Defensive Player of the Week. It's St. Francis linebacker Carter Glassmeyer. Carter, thank you so much for joining us this week here on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you and the Red Flash are coming off a bye week last week, going into a big game Thursday night, 7 p.m., CBS Sports Network against Wagner. A big night for our league 
uh, our first ever football game on CBS Sports Network. So how excited is the team getting ready for this game on Thursday night? It's definitely exciting. You know, everyone in school is talking about it and promoting it for a big game, national television. So hopefully we get a big crowd and, you know, a lot of fans come to sport. A blackout, right? So it's going to be great for sure. But, um, you know, when you guys were coming into this game, you had the week off last week, a short week, this week going into a Thursday game. So what's kind of been the preparation like? Uh, just, you know, continue to practice. We, we didn't take much time off. We wanted to keep, like, preparation up. And uh, obviously it's a big game. They're first in the conference right now. So we got to come prepared. They're a really good team. So keep practicing and get the same motto. Now, are, are you guys all mixed up on your days? Like, is your Tuesday a Thursday and Wednesday's a Friday and yeah. all, all that? Yeah, so we just, like, had the mindset where we would say, like, a Sunday is, like, a Tuesday practice, something like that. Just kind of keep, like, the week schedule going because, obviously, Thursday night game is a little different. But I feel like the team's done a good job, like, keeping the mindset of, even though it's this day, it's that day for game prep. Yeah, so you heard Carter has no idea what actual day it is right now. <laughs> He's just going to show up on Thursday ready to go. Um, so let's let's talk about the last time we saw you. It was Stonehill, uh, a big comeback win in comeback fashion. And after, you know, falling in the conference opener, uh, you guys kind of needed that one and you got it with a big last second drive. So what were your thoughts about, you know, coming off of that game and how you guys were able to kind of pull that one out? Uh, it was definitely a hard fought game. I mean, defense uh, really stood up there and we got a lot of stops. Then uh, offense came in clutch when we really needed them after that last second touchdown. And then once again, that last play was a, Scary one. They they had a little play set up where they tried to run the reverse the fields and all that kind of thing. But it was really good to get the win and uh, try to keep the keep winning streak rolling. Now you had 13 tackles and a sack, a couple tackles for loss. You were the defensive player of the week in the Northeast Conference. So you know how are you kind of able to to rise up in such a, a big kind of you know fork in the road game for your team and, and your season? Uh, just prep my preparation. I feel like uh, I prepare very well. Uh, try to listen to all my coaching, take my coaching well. And uh, another thing, just give 100% effort every play, you know. Just play. I feel like if I give my 100%, you know, you can make any play you want to. So just keep playing hard and good things will happen. Now, let, let's go back a little bit to, to you. You're a Pennsylvania kid. So, you know, when, where, how was it that you kind of fell in love with football? And how did your football journey take you to Loretto to play for SFU? Mm -hmm. So uh, I play, started playing football in first grade. So six years old and uh, fell in love with it ever since. Uh, played all of youth, played all of high school. Um, uh, just play. I have always also always played linebacker my whole life. It's been my favorite position. Uh, only played linebacker in high school, which you know some people might think is weird, but I just what I love to do. I love playing linebacker. Uh, I feel like I have a feel for the position. And then uh, St. Francis, uh, just the coaching staff. You know, when in the recruitment process, uh, my linebacker coach, Coach Bruni and Coach Lewis guys played like me you know like had the same mindset of uh, both great players themselves so it's just how can you not want to play for those guys you know this great linebackers understand the position and both PA bred so it's Absolutely. just easy place to fall in love with what, what what's your favorite part about the linebacker position for a guy that's played it your entire life is it you know reading defenses is it hitting people what, what what's your favorite part I, of the position I feel like you gotta love reading defenses and hitting people. I mean, both those things are just the biggest things you know it's also when you can see something happen then go make a play and uh, I feel like it's what it's the best position on the defense because you're in the you're in the middle spot and you can have an impact on every level of the, of, of the defense. So it's just awesome.
And, and looking ahead to this game, we talked about it. We're excited, big atmosphere on, on Thursday night. What, from what you've seen on tape going into this game from, from Wagner, what are you kind of expecting from them? They have a quarterback that can kind of run and pass, multi-threat. Uh, so what might be some keys for you on the defensive side on, on Thursday night? Uh, they're definitely a great offensive team, you know, great quarterback, uh, very good skill positions with receivers. Then the running backs run really hard, the big offensive line. So, I mean, they're they're at all levels. So you gotta be, we got to be prepared for everything and every, and anything. And um, they're going to be a great team, and we're going to have to play a hard-nosed game. We're looking forward to watching it. And, and we'll get you out here with these, these quick hitters, the final five questions. Just give us the first thing that comes to mind, all right? Mm-hmm. All right. Favorite color? Blue. Okay. Uh, your favorite Halloween costume that you had growing up? Mm, uh, Harry Potter. Okay, very good. Uh, what's your favorite snack or junk food? Uh, let me think. Fruit snacks. Okay. If uh, we asked your teammates to describe you using one word or phrase, what would be that word or phrase and why? Uh, probably... Uh, conservative because I, I don't really you know I don't talk that much but if you get closer to me I, you can see me a little funnier but I don't go out of my way to do make much so, attention for myself so are, are you like a lead by example guy I think so I'm not more of a vocal kind of guy you know just gotta do as I'm told okay and and finally St. Francis will win the NEC championship again this year if finish the sentence if uh we hold our opponents to under 14 points the last couple games and uh, we have, I have complete faith in our offense to keep scoring points. Is is that your goal or a team goal to kind of I put? Just, I just think that if we do that, there's no way we can't win. Because your your offense, uh, they're pretty good too. They, they could score exposed. more than 14, right? Mm, for sure. Well, we, we want to thank you so much and best of luck. We're really looking forward to this Thursday night game. So best of luck to you and the rest of the team. Thank you very much. Be sure to check out Carter and the Red Flash taking on the Wagner Seahawks Thursday night, 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. And also be sure to check out the full NEC Football on the Run episode over on the NEC Overtime pod available wherever you get your podcasts. For today's stat chat, we once again highlight the Central Connecticut State ground attack from Saturday's win over Delaware State. Central Connecticut became the first team to total over 500 yards of total offense this year. They put up 584, and the Blue Devils ran for a program record 497 on the ground, marking the most rushing yards by an NEC team against a Division I opponent since Sacred Heart had 538 against Bryant back in October of 2018. Running back Elijah Howard accounted for more than half of the Blue Devils' yards on the ground to finish with the most rushing yards by an NEC player since Jordan Meacham of the Sacred Heart Pioneers ran for 318 in a single game back in 2018 against the Bryant Bulldogs. Howard joins Jermaine Corbett and Ty Edmonds Jr. as NEC running backs to have 200 or more yard rushing games this season. Central Connecticut now stands at 8th in the nation, averaging 246 rushing yards per game. They're about 40 yards per game better than Merrimack, who isn't too far behind. They're at 15th in the nation in rushing yards per game. So the NEC has two of the top 15 rushing teams in the entire country. And finally, let's take a closer look at what's ahead in week seven. Here's what's coming up on tap. At noon on Saturday, the Sacred Heart Pioneers will travel not too far, maybe about 30 minutes from campus to New Haven, Connecticut for a date with the Yale Bulldogs. It's been rough sledding in 2023 for the Pios. Let's not lie. They've lost two in a row and five of their first six overall with their lone win coming back on September 23rd against Sacred Heart. 
or against uh, St. Francis, I should say, on a last second field goal. These programs, Yale, Sacred Heart, they're less than 20 miles apart, but Saturday will be their first ever encounter. Also, Saturday at noon, Central Connecticut will be back in conference action for the first time in a long time as they travel to Pittsburgh, take on one of two remaining NEC unbeatens, the Duquesne Dukes. It'll be the Central Connecticut State ground game, number one in the NEC, top 10 in the nation against the Duquesne rushing defense that's next to last in the league, allowing 204 rush yards per game. Now, that could be a little misleading because Duquesne has been going up against a ridiculous schedule. They played West Virginia, Coastal Carolina, Delaware this past week. However, in that lone conference game, they did allow LIU to rush for 293. So LIU had three players with 80 yards rushing or more. So that could be a concern for Duquesne. And quarterback for the Dukes, Darius Perantes, has really uh, had some struggles keeping possession of the football. He's turned it over. He leads the NEC with 10 interceptions. And last week, Central recorded four takeaways. Central is one of those teams looking to avoid that second dreaded conference loss. We'll see what happens Saturday at noon. And LIU will be a non-conference action against Maine at 1 p.m. Saturday. The Sharks coming off their first win of the season against Sacred Heart. This will be another first-time meeting. And finally, the biggest conference matchup this weekend will be a 7 p.m. kick Thursday night on CBS Sports Network, our game of the week, featuring the reigning and defending NEC champion, the St. Francis U Red Flash, hosting the undefeated in conference play in first place for the first time in forever, Wagner Seahawks. It'll be a blackout game at DeGaulle Field in front of a nationwide audience. The Wagner Seahawks have been the story of the season so far in back-to-back conference wins over the preseason number three and the preseason number two. Now they get the preseason number one, the reigning champs under the lights. Wagner looking to go 3-0 and in league play for the first time since 2007. Quarterback Steven Krajewski has been a difference maker. 53% completion, 128 passing yards per game, five touchdowns, only two interceptions, and he ran for two scores. Then on defense, Junior Wiley has recorded interceptions in each of the two conference wins so far. Wagner is plus three in turnover differential and conference play, and the Wagner defense, they're making the big plays when it counts. They stopped Merrimack three runs inside the five-yard line before that errant snap at the end of the Wagner-Merrimack game a couple weeks back. On the other side, St. Francis, they're a team that's still trying to click on offense after losing several key playmakers from last year. Their offensive averages are way down. Cole Doyle did lead an impressive final drive last time out against Stonehill, 11 plays, 75 yards and a little over three minutes to get that game winning touchdown run by DeAndre Scott with 19 ticks left. So back against the wall season on the line, they made the plays and came through Doyle, by the way, is second in the NEC with seven touchdown passes this year. SFU, they've won the last three straight meetings, including 27-7 to last September. Wagner hasn't beaten SFU since October of 2018. That was a 23-22 game on a touchdown pass with six seconds left. Think we'd all love to see that on national television if we get a game like that. Wagner hasn't won in Loretto in 10 years since November of 2013. So are the Seahawks the real deal? Have the champs turned things around and righted the ship? Those are all questions that'll be answered in prime time. A historic night in the Northeast Conference. The first ever football broadcast on CBS Sports Network, Thursday night, 7 p.m., live from Loretto. That'll just about do it for this week's episode. Enjoy the games, everybody. Until next time, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.